0: control in the female body does exactly what it was designed to do, which is to shut down ovulation. So for those of us who like study periods, we know that the, the, like culminating event of a menstrual cycle is not your bleed it's Mm -hmm. ovulation. So if you don't have healthy ovulation, you know, your menstrual cycle and your, your womanly cycle is just going to be really messed up. Right.
1: Sister, one of the most common questions I get from you all through the podcast, in Instagram DMs, in the Perimenopause Posse, and in Midlife Mojo course is around birth control. (laughs) Specifically, its impact on your hormonal health during perimenopause and how to track your cycle when you're on it. So today I am thrilled to have this conversation with all of you and an amazing woman who's going to help shed some light on this for us today. Jennifer Woodward holds a Master's of Science in Integrative Nutrition and is a Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner and a Board Certified Functional Wellness Coach. So she's here for us, you guys. Jennifer is always also the creator of the acclaimed FDN Business School, which is Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. And she loves getting to help the new FDNs thrive professionally. She's also the former executive director of the Association of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Professionals, where she was mentored by course creator Reed Davis. Jennifer was recently a a quarter-long guest lecturer in graduate endocrinology at Parker University, hello, and also completed a three-month-long internship with Dr. Kieran Dunstan, getting hands-on training in women's hormones, so she's here for us. She loves to be active with her high school sweetheart, husband, and her four kids. So not only does she get it, and I, by I mean it, I mean the hormonal shifts of menstruation and perimenopause, but she also has the education and skill to share more about it with us. So welcome, Jennifer, to the Period Whisperer podcast. I am beyond grateful that you're here for us today.
0: I have been looking forward to this so much, Bria. Thank
1: you for having me. I cannot wait to dive into this topic with you. Oh, me too. Thank you. You know, we were just even saying as we hopped on here, just the more we talk about this stuff, the more education and I think it just helps us get a fuller picture of what we're going through. And that's always the first place to start, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. Yep. Education is definitely key. Yeah. And trying to simplify it for everyone, right? We can't all, we aren't, we don't all geek out on this stuff, I find. So the more we can- <laughs> The <laughs> better. True. Yeah. So, can you tell us just a little bit about you first? How you came to care about women's hormones, and and even like how you because you make it a big part of how you serve.
0: Totally, yes. Yeah. So, like you, like you read, I have four kids, and as any woman, I mean, if you if you're a woman, you know you have hormone issues, right? Like, let alone being pregnant, let alone being pregnant multiple times. So, after the birth of my third child, my hormones just took a, a nosedive; they really just tanked. So, um, I wasn't sleeping. Uh, I had panic attacks. My mood was super imbalanced. My hair was falling out. I had all these digestive disturbances. I couldn't lose my baby weight. Like, I was really a mess. I remember like crying one night thinking like, how am I going to get up and take care of my family tomorrow? I'm not sleeping. You know, I'm just, I'm a mess. Mm -hmm. And so a series of events led me to watch a YouTube video, like three in the morning, one morning, how women do, you know, (laughs) I'm not sleeping. I'll get on YouTube. found this woman who called herself a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. And I devoured all her videos that night. I woke up with my husband the next morning. I'm like, dude, can you finance me going back to school? Cause I got to do what this girl does. Like it's crazy. She's using data. She's using lab testing to figure out why women are feeling the way I'm feeling. I want those labs and I want to learn to do what she does. So long story short, that's what I did. Oh my goodness. Having data in perimenopause is life-changing. So that was kind of my professional trajectory, my personal trajectory. Um, And now I am fully entrenched in the perimenopausal space because that's what I and all of my clients and all of my peer group are going through. And I just find it to be the most fascinating part of a woman's
1: hormone journey. So like you said, I'm in it. I'm here for it. You are. I love that. And you know, it is, I think like when we can and why do you think it's fascinating? Tell me that. Oh, I think it's fascinating because women around the age of 35, 40, they know
0: who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Like women are are coming into their own around this time. You know, they, they might have raised children. They might be in the workforce. You know, they might be doing things in their 30s and 40s that they couldn't dream about doing in their 20s. And so they're a lot more self-assured. And I find them to be a lot more curious and passionate. They're not as, you know... Like their minds aren't taken up by all the things that they were in their 20s and 30s. And so now's the time that women just love to learn. They love to pursue their health. And so this demographic of women is just such a joy to work with because they're passionate about the things that, you know, I would want them to be passionate about. So it just drives my joy for my work. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. And it's, I think it's such a significant time period, right? Like when you think about that 35 to 40, which is when it kind of begins all the way to when we actually achieve menopause and be like, it's massive compared to, you know, the, the nine months, which are huge in pregnancy plus postpartum and then, and even puberty, like it's such a big period of time for us. So I think that when we can understand it better, it really serves.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, I like to say, you know, we're not, we're not kids anymore. Like we know who we are, we know what we want. And so that is, um, just an encouraging part of this like perimenopausal journey. Cause women are like, actually, you know, educate me, teach me, give me the data. I'm not, I'm not really like down for another supplement. You know, I'm not really down for another new workout. I really want to know what works for me at this point in my life. And I, I just, I love that
1: how, you know, this is, you know, I'm a little bit not off topic, but I didn't quite discuss talking about it, but how does this, the, the functional diagnostic testing that you, that you do and that you understand, how does that differ from, you know, when we go to our general practitioner and we get blood work done?
0: Totally. And you know, this firsthand, just with your demographic and your listeners do too, you know, doctors will generally test a, a, like a standard test, right? Like they might do a TSH thyroid test and that's about it. They might do like your lipid panel, your cholesterol, maybe some CBC numbers. What I hear a lot from my clients: them their lab work looks normal. And they're like, oh my gosh, no. Why do you think I'm coming in to see you? I feel like crap. Like, can you do anything else for me? And so the functional lab work you know, it looks for, it looks for anomalies that are, that are deeper than diagnoses, right? Even though that title diagnostic nutrition is in our title, we're not doctors. We don't diagnose, treat, or prescribe. We basically use this really cool next level lab testing to educate our clients on imbalances in the body. Mm-hmm. So what we do, we look really in depth at hormones, estrogen, progesterone, cortisol test. Beautiful, like, you know, the the parts of the symphony that make up a, a well-functioning, hormonally balanced woman. Love that test. And we'll look at thyroid testing. We look at food sensitivities. We're looking really in-depth at the gut. Like, are you digesting your food? Do you have, um, you know, markers of digestive dysfunction? Do you have some bacterial overgrowth or a parasite? Like, those are huge for women. Yeah. Um, we are looking at, you know, mucosal barrier function and whether or not your gut is leaky because, you know, and, and most of your, your listeners are like disease really does begin in our gut. So if we have a, an unhealthy microbiome, that's really going to express itself in perimenopause. And I think the main difference is that when women go to their doctor aren't feeling heard or validated by some of the results that they get back. They either get a true diagnosis, which makes them feel a little bit disempowered, or they get no answers at all. And the functional lab testing seeks to empower and educate women, which is why I find it such a really valuable tool.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. I love that. And and that is like, I find that comforting to hear you say this because I know, I mean, from my own experience, and, and, and it is a common thing, like you said, where women go to the doctor and they're like, you're fine. And you're like, but I don't feel fine. <laughs> and so to have those answers that to know that there's another option for to dig a little deeper that might give more clarity is um, soothing, I think. Totally. And I've just had so many women,
0: they like grown women, they will sit in my office and they will cry. They will start weeping because they will tell me I'm not crazy. I knew there was something wrong, but everyone told me nothing was wrong. But these tests are finding out that, you know, there was, there's actually something now
1: we can take steps to, to move forward with and fix. That's amazing. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful to learn from you and to hear more about this stuff. So thank you for what you do. Let's, let's shift into the birth control conversation. Cause I think this is, um, this is such an important one. What, you know, what is the impact or maybe we should just talk about what, what, yeah, what is the impact? What does birth control do, you know, with our hormones and on the female body? love this question love this topic so birth
0: control in the female body does exactly what it was designed to do which is to shut down ovulation so for those of us who like study periods we know that the the like culminating event of a menstrual cycle is not your bleed it's ovulation yeah. so if don't have healthy ovulation, you know, your menstrual cycle and your your womanly cycle is just going to be really messed up, right? If you never ovulate, you can't get pregnant, right? So that's the whole point of the pill. But the bummer about that is not only are you being exposed to excessive estradiol, fake estradiol, and, and you like all your girls know, like we're being exposed to estrogen everywhere. So it's just yeah. another source of estrogen in the body. Yeah. And then we have none of the protective benefits of that beautiful. Queen progesterone. So progesterone can only be secreted by the corpus luteum after ovulation, after that follicle, you know, ruptures and becomes that corpus luteum. It starts pumping out progesterone. Progesterone helps you sleep. It helps you have a balanced mood. It helps with water retention. It helps your metabolism increase because progesterone actually increases your body temperature by half a degree for those 14 days that you're in your luteal phase. So it's just got all these beautiful benefits, balancing benefits that the pill effectively shuts down. And this is why, you know, one of my theories as to why women are so moody and overweight and frustrated and irritable and can't sleep because we've all been on the pill for decades, myself included. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was on it as well. And, and, and other, and then cop, you know, there's the copper IUD. And then as you said, the Mirena. so there's a lot of reasons. Okay. That was an incredible way to explain. So, and maybe you've already answered this, like, and I wanted to know like how this, how you feel like this matters more in perimenopause. Oh,
0: love this. Okay. So check this out. In perimenopause, we're in our late 30s or 40s. And most women, you know, have bought into the cult of, you know, being an American woman, right? It's impossible not to. So essentially, most of us have dieted for years. So we've undernourished ourselves now for years or decades. We've likely overexercised or maybe not exercised enough or like, you know, stationary. We've mm-hmm. been stressing ourselves out by getting up way too early and staying up way too late, you know, and, and we are, we're just we're stressed to the max, right? So it's that combination of over dieting, under sleeping, and under eating that mm-hmm. has kind of plagued women. Which we can get away with in our twenties, like when you're in college, dude. Give me you know coffee, alcohol, and you know McDonald's. I'm totally fine, right? That yeah. lasts about five years. Everyone, just note to the young girls: lasts oh for about five years. Okay, enjoy while you can. But then <laughs> in your thirties and your and your, you know late thirties and early forties all of that catches up with you, right? Your body is just not as resilient because you have not spent those years cultivating resilience, right? If you slept enough, and if you nourished your body, you got about 2000 calories a day or more and plenty of protein and, you know, plenty of sleep resilient enough to kind of sail through perimenopause into the menopause, But if now you're just playing catch up with a body that you've kind of been real mean to, you know, for the past couple of decades, perimenopause symptoms are going to just, just increase again, those mood symptoms, weight symptoms, skin, hair, digestive symptoms, thyroid symptoms. A lot of it has to do with the suppression of progesterone and progesterone's effect on your HPA axis. And, you know, now we have imbalanced levels of cortisol that are kind of swinging wildly throughout the decades, but we just tend to see it crop up, you know, right around the, Age of forty because the body has just essentially like thrown in the the
1: flag like hey I'm done yeah you got to take care of me now totally I picture it like it's headed up to here you know it's like <laughs> I'm headed up to here with you I did it your way it didn't work we're gonna do it my way now Love or just Love like it. throwing a full on strike I guess until, <laughs> until you get with the program I think until there's better terms right. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, for women who are on birth control, you know, and this is what they're experiencing. In your experience, do you think women who are on birth control heading into perimenopause have a harder perimenopause, or is it really obviously dependent on those earlier years and how we treat it, the resilience we built? Sure.
0: Yeah, like like anything, I think it's bio individual. If you were to look at it on a case by case basis, I'd say you know we'd take each case. Looking at women as a whole and on birth control. And many of us are kind of living that hard and fast American woman lifestyle. So yeah, I think it's going to catch up with most women in perimenopause just because of, you know, the nature of what we've been doing to ourselves. The best news about that though, is it's not, it's not done. You know, there are so many steps that we can take going forward to kind of, you know, build that resilience in our health going, you know, into our, our menopausal years and through the perimenopausal years. But I do think that's one of the reasons why so many people are just women particularly are just exhausted and moody and struggling with their weight. You know, that, that effect of the pill and the effect of that hormonal chaos that happens after subjecting yourself to synthetic hormones for so, so long.
1: Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. And how do we know then if it's, if we're on birth control and perimenopause, how do we know that it is negatively affecting us or, because a lot of the reasons I hear people are on birth control and in this age box, one is still pregnancy prevention. And, you know, two is maybe just, they don't get a period and they're happy about those things. Like, how do we know that our yeah, that the birth control we're on is maybe negatively affecting our perimenopause worse than it would if we weren't on it? Or is it that just a given? Well, here's one of the biggest
0: symptoms. I love that question, Bria, because... One of the components of synthetic birth control is again, progestin. So it's not progesterone that your body creates itself. It's progestin and the chemical structure of progestin looks very, very similar to testosterone. So we know when a woman is exposed to too much testosterone or creates too much testosterone, that's going to start increasing the possibility for metabolic syndrome or even PCOS, which is more of a metabolic disease than it is any like a hormone disease. So Mm -hmm. if your androgen levels, your testosterone levels are increased, elevated in the body, you're going to struggle with insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some of that facial hair that women are like, where did that mustache come from? Let's yeah. know. You know, putting on weight, really oily skin, inability to sleep. These are all hallmarks of something like PCOS, but they also tend to crop up in women who've been on the pill for a long time because they're being daily exposed to that progestin that looks like testosterone. So that's one of the things that starts to happen around perimenopause. Perimenopause is kind of characterized by this really weird, like almost instantaneous weight gain of five to 11 pounds when women aren't changing their diet or their exercise at all. And I think one of the strong correlations there is that the body starts to, you know, really respond poorly to the progestins and birth control um, that lead to the insulin resistance and then the weight gain. Mm -hmm.
1: If that is the situation, how much time do you find that women need to be off the birth control before that might correct? And would it correct? Or do they just need to make sure they're doing, you know, we always need to do that underlying work, but would it correct on its own?
0: I believe that the body is fearfully and wonderfully made. I just think our body. And and so beautiful. And they do respond well when given correct stimuli. So if we're doing something like I run a lot of the Dutch tests in my practice, which is the dried urine test for comprehensive hormones, right? Um, I, I usually tell people be off of your pill or IUD for at least three months. That's the course correction for the period, because it takes a hundred days for your follicle, your ovarian follicle to reach maturity. So we'd say about three cycles. Um, right. after three cycles, then we can start coming in with some inner. Interventions, especially after, after testing to see, wow, what are your progesterones actually like? Or are you in estrogen dominance? Are you metabolizing that estrogen appropriately? Um, And then we'd want to give it another full, you know, three month cycle before you even start to think that things are going to come back into balance. Now that's on the really conservative side. I will say in my practice, I routinely have women have like a kick-ass period within a month or two, you know, as long as we're going after all the innervations or the, all of the, Interventions that you know you and I both do with our, our clients.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Is there a time when you know, as a, you know, pregnancy prevention aside, is there a time when being on birth control is the right thing for us still during this time period? So my, my
0: answer a hundred percent is no, it's really just not, you know, women can become so educated. They can become, you know, so in control of their own hormonal health that you absolutely don't.
1: Real quick, sister, are you ready to have the best health of your life in midlife? I'm not exactly sure why you were here, but I bet you I can take a pretty great guess. Maybe you're starting to hear more and more about this perimenopause thing. I mean, can we be honest about the fact that we heard about menopause, but nobody told us about perimenopause? And now that you are reaching those magical ages, you're wondering if that is why you are feeling a bit off. Or maybe you know you are in it and you're sick of feeling stuck, tired, don't wanna buy new pants and frustrated that you're actually doing the things to feel better, but the things aren't working. Or maybe you're feeling okay and wanna make the most of this time and get ahead of your shifting hormones. Whatever the reason, I'm so glad that you are here because life is too short to feel anything less than amazing. Perimenopause and menopause is a time for freedom, not to be weighed down by your hormones or how you feel in your body. You were meant for more, sister. So whether you're having symptoms or wanting to prevent symptoms, you are in the right place, and I am here to be your guide to having the best health of your life in midlife and beyond. I want to invite you into the Perimenopause Posse. It's the perfect starter course and membership for the clear guidance you need to understand the hormonal shifts of perimenopause, start healing your hormones, and shift into fat burning month after month. In the Posse, you get my step-by-step course to support your hormones and get them working for you so you can achieve the weight release, muscle growth, or just the energy gain that you want for your life. You also get a great community of sisters to support you and a monthly live training and Q and A with me so I can answer your specific questions as well as monthly nutrition plans and workouts designed to go with the flow of your hormones. And of course, a few other great bonuses. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes below to join the posse. Start your step-by-step program and meet me inside of the community. It's everything you need to master your hormones and shift into fat burning month after month. So click link below in the show notes and meet me in there. All right, back to this episode. I do with nutrition and,
0: you know, functional testing and, and just like the lens of being a woman from a very ancestral point of view, right? Mm -hmm. So we think about it. Birth control has been around since the 1950s people, the 19 freaking fifties. All right. We are humans and we have been around for millennia. So women have been, you know, effectively preventing pregnancy because they have enough body literacy to do so for millennia without, you know, the use of a crappy pill. So are there instances that a woman would need this? I mean, for pregnancy prevention, there are plenty of other alternatives. So my answer is no. For things like spotting or heavy periods or mood or acne, oh, 100%, my answer is no, because I know all of the other ways that you can dip into the body and start rebalancing things naturally. So
1: never would I recommend anyone to take the pill. Ah, I love hearing that. Um, What are the, let's talk maybe just some more about some positives. What are some of the positives of proper ovulation right if we know that being on the pill is really what squashes ovulation what are the positives in the female body and you know in your practice and your experience of like ovulating as long as healthily and as long as we can
0: Oh, I love this. Okay. So the the follicle, right? Your ovarian follicle will be releasing an egg once a cycle. When we do not have that release of an egg, you can start to build up, you know, polycystic ovaries, right? So the benefit of having a regular, you know, ovulatory cycle is that you, you have less of a chance of getting something like PCOS and all of the, you know, problems that run along with PCOS. Healthy ovulation also will help you sleep better. It will help your Metabolism increase and it will help you, you know, manage even fluid balance because again, your your body, has its own little progesterone factory that's extraordinarily balancing. When you think about the menstrual cycle and the bleed itself, you're also shedding that endometrial lining. You know, there's there's an interesting body of research from Morley Robbins and kind of like the anti-iron camp who says that women actually have too much iron in their bodies, not enough bioavailable copper. And so we we don't want that endometrial lining not. To shed. We, it's a healthy thing for women to bleed every single month. You're getting rid of, of waste products, lipopolysaccharides, you know, diseased cells. And so to have that healthy, true bleed, not, not a pill bleed because a pill bleeds, not a period, right. but a true, you know, shedding of your endometrial lining is a super healthy cyclical thing for a woman to go through every month. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I I love this conversation. It makes me think of the yeah, buts, you know, when people are like, yeah, but in my situation, (laughs) you know, my period's so heavy. Like, you know, I think we should talk about that a little bit. Some of the yeah, buts that we hear around, you know, because of course everyone needs to do what is right for them. But, and I think education is a huge part of it. So what are, I certainly know for me, some of the yeah, buts I might hear are like, yeah, but my period is so heavy and it's really nice not to have it. What are your thoughts on those?
0: Oh, right. So my question is always, what are you doing to cultivate a heavy period, right? So there is that terrain that's being built. Again, not just this month, could have been the last decade, could have been since childhood. I've had many clients who told me when they were young women, they would have to like lay down in the bathtub for the whole first day of their cycle. Otherwise they'd be so nauseous, they'd throw up. Like there are some really hard things that women go through for sure. And that's not to discount that at all. But (laughs) you (laughs) know, (laughs) now that you have the option to become, you know, a little bit more informed about what are the types of things that can cause a a period that would be wonky, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, drinking a lot of coffee and alcohol, if you're eating a lot of sugar or processed foods or trans fats, if you never eat, you know, fish, if you don't eat a lot of vegetables and fruit, if you're stressing really hard, if you live such a, you know, sleep deprived, high stress lifestyle that your body has completely depleted its stores of magnesium and zinc, and B six, then those are you know that's going to make your period a lot worse. So mm-hmm. diving into proper diet, like getting plenty of of animal protein at regular intervals, and balancing your blood sugar, and making sure that your fiber count is high, that you're eating fruit. Fruit is not the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> making sure that. Yeah. (laughs) Like diving into, to your rest and your stress management. I use a lot of like heart rate variability training with my clients, like easy things like outside time and Epsom salt baths. Like, are you doing those things to cultivate a a lighter flow, a more normalized period, you know, not over-exercising, not under-exercising, getting outside every single day, getting enough sleep. And then of course, like I do love talking about supplements, but supplements are just yeah. Not it. They're just a supplement, you know, but they're for, for all sorts of period anomalies. They're a fantastic, you know, supplement protocol used with clients to make them feel better.
1: Yeah. I always think that it's like, it's like the icing on the cake, you know, <laughs> you need to have a fully formed cake and then we can add the icing. But if you don't have that, you know, it's like, like, what's, what are you going to eat? Just a spoonful of icing. Like that's not going to settle very well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You got me, you got me, Bria. That's me. (laughs) And this, I feel like this is, you know, I've seen on your Instagram, which, you know, make sure you guys go check out Jennifer's Instagram because she's got some amazing content and tips there. But I've heard you talk about this a lot and it's a big theme for me. It's like a reminder that we don't get results overnight, but that doesn't mean things aren't going in the right direction. I'd actually love to hear you kind of riff on that a little bit because I think I just can't drive that point home enough. We look so quickly for results on our scale, results on our scale, which really don't tell us a whole lot when we, when we're doing the right things, those results can take a while. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, you've heard me talk about like this archetype of like the,
0: the, you know, American woman these days, who's just going so hard and so fast and she's always pointed forward. So I really like to take time with my clients to put a put a physical block up, like let's stop. And I have them turn their head. Backwards, right? And see how far have you come? What, you know, subjective measures have changed. Yes, we have the scale, but I always encourage my clients don't buy a regular scale, buy a smart scale. So we can see that you're building muscle and that you're increasing your, you know, BMR and that other metrics are increasing, not just your weight decreasing, especially because with my clients, I'm always trying to build muscle too, because perimenopausal women, you know, start to lose muscle. But Man, if you could just take a hot second every day and think about three things that you're grateful for, right? And you have to look backwards to do that, you know, or you're sleeping better. That's a huge win. Maybe yeah. you're pooping every day. Like, uh, yeah, right?
1: Maybe you have a couple of recipes need to talk more about. We need to poop every day, please. <laughs> I know it's uncomfortable to talk about, but it's like, come on now.
0: Pooping periods, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, just those small things like, uh, you know, it's very human, very, very normal for us to, you know, always try to be ascending to the next level, but that's also what makes us so run down and so tired, so malcontent and so ungrateful. So just taking a little bit of time to be grateful to physically, you know, turn around and look backwards and see what strides you've come that aren't objective is a really helpful tool when going through a rebalancing program.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. That's such a, such powerful information. Can we, um, I, here's a question in your experience, in your opinion, can we still track our cycle to work with it when we're not ovulating? Cause we're on birth control.
0: Yeah, not as much, right? I mean, you don't have a true follicular phase. You don't have a true ovulatory event. You don't have a true, luteal phase and you don't bleed. So you're, you're really not having a cycle. So it's kind of an anomaly or it's erroneous for women to say like they're on their cycle when they're on birth control. Cause they're not, their whole cycle is shut down, but it's an easy thing to misconstrue because it looks, you know, it looks like you're having a period. Your doctor still calls it a period. It's just not that. So I, I think, you know, to your point, are there ways you can support your body while on the pill? hundred percent. Again, the pill really, really depletes three key nutrients. So vitamin B6, which you can get through animal products and nuts and seeds, magnesium, which you can also get through nuts and seeds and also fruits and vegetables. A couple of supplements are great for magnesium and then zinc, which I like. There's actually, I like oysters. Not everyone does some seafood, you know, is high in zinc, but you can just get a over the counter. Your health food store, those three nutrients are going to be really important to put back into your body. If you've been on the pill for a while, cause the pill is going to be depleting those every single day you take it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's great advice there. And I always think with, it, it's like you can still pay attention to your body during the time. If you're on the pill and you're wanting to understand your body more, I think part of the value of like learning how to move with your hormone rhythm, even if you aren't having a proper one is just knowing the signs of your body and what it's going through. Is it stressed? Is it creaky? Is it tired? Is it bloated? Like what's actually happening? Cause we get really good at ignoring them. Have you found that? Yeah,
0: we definitely tend to suppress a lot of the signals our body gives us. And I think that's the other beautiful thing about being in perimenopause is, you know, for a long period of time. And now you can start listening to yourself and the signals that your own body is giving you. It becomes, again, just super empowering.
1: Yeah. So we covered, um, you know, if you if you're on birth control cuz yeah but your period's so bad we covered some ways that you can look at it differently and start to focus on that underlying healing if you are still in pregnancy prevention i'd love to have you kind of share like what are your favorite ways to encourage people to prevent pregnancy without being on birth control Really, I'm big about this. So,
0: actually, I wear an aura ring. Aura has just partnered with um, natural cycles that tracks your temperature, your heart rate variability. So, you can actually link up cycle tracking with your
1: aura ring. It's like 10 bucks a month. So, that's a really cool tool. So, does it track like it'll help? It'll because it tracks your temperature, it'll track your ovulation right in there for you. Well, yep. It'll track your fertile
0: days. I know it's so, man. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I do nothing for that. You know, I'm, I'm not my, we have four kids, my husband, I'm like, you go get a vasectomy. He's like, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to do that anymore, but I still love the data, you know, that my order is giving me. Yeah. Um, I also love the, the, it's an intravaginal device called the Daisy D-A-Y-S-Y that tracks your temperature similarly. So it's obviously going to be a little bit more spot on if it's intravaginally than it is, you know, on your finger, but you're, you're looking for trends, you know, for, for, not like necessarily spot on exact, uh, temperature ratings. I also love natural family planning and the fertility awareness method. If you can track your fertile cervical fluid, your body, you know, for only 48 hours, if that Which is when you're actually, you know, fertile throughout the month. That, along with basal body temperature tracking, which again, now your aura ring can do for you, is it's 99.9 percent effective. The literature shows us that natural family planning, 99.9 percent effective, um, when done properly, which is a greater efficacy rate than the pill, which is about 97 percent effective. But that's if you learn to do it right. And my thought is that it's so effective because it teaches women to take care of their own bodies. They're not just relying on a pill. You know, like that's. Being done to them, they are taking active part in their fertility and contraception.
1: And it goes a long way, right? It's just another decision that we make to know ourselves instead of looking for that microwave or Amazon Prime style fix, right? Like Uh, use this as an opportunity, I think, to be empowered because you can advocate for your body when you know what your body should and shouldn't feel like. And you know what should be happening inside of us. And we've just been so detached from that. So I think instead of feeling like, oh, it's another thing you have to do, think of it really as like an opportunity for you to know yourself on a deeper level.
0: Yep. Because you are pretty awesome lady. All right. Like your body is super cool. So getting to learn it is just like a really fun awakening. You know, it's a fun time in life and it just gives you more signs and signals than you ever
1: would have thought possible. So it's almost like a fun new game. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Our bodies are amazing. I mean, think of the, like uh, the fact that it creates life aside, I think I saw a meme once that was like, like women are magic. Like who else bleeds for seven days, every single month and still survives. I mean, come on. It's incredible what's so what's so powerful within us. So I love that. Thank you. Um, okay, a couple more questions for you. I really appreciate this. This has been super helpful. And you know, for anyone listening, if you have follow-up questions, please send them over and we will we'll get them answered for you. I'll I'll make I'll I'll beg Jennifer to come back on the podcast so we can answer these love
0: questions. It. So fun. Love it. Love <laughs> well,
1: it. so for women who want to start to come off their birth control, then what, what would you suggest? Okay. So here is a kind of a, a problem. So a, a synthetic
0: estrogen is a steroid. So it does become somewhat addictive. So sometimes we have women who are transitioning off the pill and they become very depressed or anxious because their brain is used to getting that hit of estrogen. So I, I do recommend that women are supporting their bodies, you know, on the in-between what makes estrogen and progesterone well, essential fatty acids. So you are going to want a diet that's really, really, you know, structural high in good animal fat. So fish fats are great for the brain, um, you know, pastured wild animal products, fantastic for the brain. You really want to give your, your brain and body what it needs, right? Estrogen, progesterone are both cholesterol based, um, you know, hormones and your brain is made of fat. So give it lots of fat when you're transitioning. Ah. Oh, and also it. women want to make sure that they're eating enough, uh, enough calories, right? You don't want to come off the pill and be malnourished and be starving because mm-hmm. you are going to be one grumpy mess, right? <laughs> so now it's not the time to like go on a crazy diet. You're just going to want to eat, you know, between 1800 and 2000 calories a day with about 35 to 40% of that protein. Um, mm-hmm. Plenty of good carbohydrates. Do not skip your carbohydrates, ladies. Like
1: you, your body needs them. Your brain. Yes. Bring on the carbs. They're for energy. (laughs) energy. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So we've got some really great tips there. Okay. So I would love to just hear from you then in your life, like you're obviously you have a big career, you're, you know, you have a marriage, you've got four kids. What are some of your favorite pillars of health that you do for your hormones every single day? Oh, I love this. Okay. almost every every day.
0: I eat every day. Like there was a time in my life where I thought skipping breakfast and drinking black coffee was healthy, that I needed to survive on 1200 to 1500 calories. That is BS ladies. You are sold a bill of lies. So eating regular meals, um, you know, at regular intervals with plenty of protein, that is game changing and life changing in perimenopause. I've also started to lift heavy weights. I do that three times a week. I just came in for my lifting session before I hopped on with you, Bria, and I feel great. You know, I'm not doing, I'm not marathon training anymore. Not that I ever was like I ran, but I shuffled. Right. I'm not doing high intensity interval training. I don't yeah. go to anymore. I'm not going to orange theory. If somebody asked me to go to like a 45 minute interval class, I'm like, Hey, you want to meet for tea instead? <laughs> like, no, my hormones don't need that anymore. So lifting is a huge part of what I do every day. I drink my minerals. Like I am passionate about mineral balance, getting enough potassium, magnesium, sodium, and calcium as a perimenopausal woman. Super important. Mm-hmm. I try to get in my sauna bag. I totally cheaped out on my sauna because I wasn't sure if I was gonna like love it. So I have like a four hundred dollar Life Pro sauna bag that I freaking love. Mm-hmm. I get in that thing like three to four times a week for twenty minutes to sweat and to sleep, just to chill. Oh. Uh, and then I to walk- Oh yeah, I'll, I'll send you some information. It's okay. so great. Yeah. I'm not
1: affiliated. I just love it. You just love it. Yeah. Tell me about. I can't wait to hear about it. Okay. Totally.
0: And then, yeah, like I said, the last, the last thing that I make sure I do every day, I'm outside walking 10,000 steps a day in like outside, not inside, not on a treadmill. So important for vitamin D for HPA access function for getting out of my head and out of my computer. If I can take a meeting on a walk, I am in a meeting on a walk. My team knows like
1: yeah. dogs, lawnmower, Jennifer's walking. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> you forget, you know, you real, you don't even realize like all the benefits of outside, like not just for, you know, your circadian rhythm and those other things, but like in the winter when it's cold, like we get benefits of that cold from being outside, you know, like there's so we get benefits of the sun, you get like there's so many beautiful aspects of just being outside walking that we don't realize it's like a real superfood for the body. If you feel like walking outside is like a superfood nutrition for the body. I love that. I love that. I might use that courtesy of Bria. Yeah, do it. I love it. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Jennifer. This has been an an incredible conversation. If, um, when, when all these women listening to the podcast want to learn more from you, where do they best do that? Sure.
0: So I am on Instagram as Jennifer Woodward wellness. Um, my website is Jennifer Woodward nutrition. I'm pretty, you can just Google me. Like I've, I I love talking about this stuff. It's so much fun. I also work, um, for functional diagnostic nutrition. So if you guys are interested in getting your hands on some of those labs yourself, I would encourage you go to functional diagnostic I think Bria has that link. Um, and you guys can learn more about doing what I do and, you know, running these labs on yourself or, or potential clients. It's super fun, really interesting and, and really moves mountains for
1: a lot of women in hormonal distress. I love that. That's amazing. And I will put all those links in the show notes and I just go and follow Jennifer because I find, you know, it's so easy for us to forget that we're prioritizing our health. And it's like, well, the more we surround ourselves, our news feeds, our life with people who are, doing the things we want to do, living the way we want to live. like the, I think the more we just eventually start to move that way simply by, by just energy alone. So go and follow her. Check out this stuff. Thank you so much. You've been such a light and a wealth of knowledge, and I'm really glad we connected today. Oh, sister.
0: Me too. I had so much fun with you. Thank you for having me and for the opportunity just to get
1: to talk about this. Same here. Thank you. And sisters, go out, be more in your life, not just less on a scale, and we'll catch you next time.